Well, uh, thanks, Abe, and the elders. Just feel super and cared for. And uh, I was going to share briefly with you guys just what you've meant to us over the last couple of years. And then last night I was like, if I do that, I'm going to choke up. I'm not going to say any. I'm not going to be able to say anything for the next uh, ten minutes about uh, our vision for Slovakia. So I decided I'm going to hold off on that one uh, till January, if that's okay, and just talk about Slovakia and our calling. I'm already like choking up thinking about the th- three months from now talk, doing that. So uh, Slovakia can throw this slide up here. Um, let's be honest, probably some of you did not know that this country existed uh, until Abe just mentioned it, and that's okay. No shame in that. That's why I have this map. Slovakia is right there in the middle, and Slovakia claims that's the heart of Europe. Um, it's right there in the middle. And I have this next slide to orient you a little bit. You might uh, know some of those countries. Uh, Czechia, that's the new name for the Czech Republic, um, it is. It just happened. Uh, Czech, it used to be Czechoslovakia. You might recognize that if you went to school in the 80s or before. Um, and then there's Poland, Ukraine, Hungary, and Austria. Like, like Abe said, I, I, live, I moved there when I was five. We moved right on the border of Slovakia, Hungary, and Austria, which actually created a little bit of an awkward moment when I was five years old and my parents sent me to preschool to learn the language. And it took them three months to figure out they accidentally put me in a Hungarian preschool, and I had, I had become fluent in Hungarian instead of Slovak. So on the top of our list for Laurel is make sure we learn the correct language. Um, but I did learn the correct language. I went through the Slovak school system and graduated high school there. And when I moved back to the States for college, I was actually definitely leaving my home and coming to a foreign land that was America. And um, uh, what I'm really thankful for, though, is that my parents really never allowed me to adopt the title of missionary kid. They helped me understand I was a missionary, but not because I was the son of missionary parents, but because I was the son of a missionary God, which we all are. And he, he's the one that makes us missionaries, and he still has a missionary heart for Slovakia. So a couple slides to give you an idea of what this country looks like. It's a beautiful country. So Bratislava is the capital city, and this is where we're going to be moving eventually to plant, if God continues to confirm that. It is the capital city, like I said, and half a million people live there. But I think it's an influential city beyond just Slovakia because it's in this unique place where it's kind of like a bridge from Western Europe to Eastern Europe. And if you look on this picture, that literal bridge right there, actually go back one more, stay on that one. Uh, Austria, go back to the other one if you could. Um, Austria is there on the right of the water. And then that's definitely Western Europe. And you cross the bridge, go through Slovakia, you end up in Ukraine, which is definitely Eastern Europe. So it's a very critical, crucial, has a lot of, it, it's a catalytic city in, in Eastern Europe. So we're going to be moving there. But yeah, you can go to the next slide. A lot of the rest of the country is more rural. And you have these little towns scattered about. And the culture of these smaller towns, of course, just like everywhere else, follows the culture of those bigger cities. Um, it's, uh, it's a country scattered about with castles. Uh, there's castles throughout. This castle is 20 minutes from my house, and you might recognize it if you've seen the movie Dragonheart. Uh, this is where it was filmed. Anybody? 90s? Sean Connery. Terrible movie, but Sean Connery was it? Yeah. Um, so that was filmed there. Uh, and then uh, beautiful mountains. If you can't afford the Swiss Alps, you can come to Slovakia to ski. That's, that's the kind of the deal. And although the country is incredibly beautiful, 90% of the population live in this housing right here, which you might recognize. Uh, those are just, you can't barely see it because of uh, uh, the grayness there, but uh, that's where people live. It's the communist housing blocks. And 
Uh, after 50 years of the communist experience, experiment, I mean, uh, it's interesting, the community thing they were trying to do didn't really work out. And there's people that are living surrounded by thousands of people that are very isolated and, and longing for community, which is super crucial for the church in Slovakia and in Eastern Europe. I was sitting with a pastor named Janko, Johnny. He's 70 years old. I was sitting talking to him about our call to Eastern Europe, and he had been a pastor for, for about four or five decades in Slovakia. And he was talking to me about um, back under the Soviet Union, meeting in like secret basements, having church meetings there. And then in 1989, you can show this, that next slide, there was the Velvet Revolution, and um, the Iron Curtain fell. And he said, we were so excited. Like, what does this mean for this part of the world and gospel expansion? Um, but he said, I'm still praying that we would see the movement that we were anticipating. It still hasn't happened after 25 years. And, and he, said, um, he, said that, uh, he said something's going to have to shift. He said after communism, the Western world opens up, imported a lot of good things, a lot of bad things, imported capitalism and McDonald's, um, but also imported the way they th- thought about church. And he said, I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing. And then he said something that really stuck with me. He said this. You can throw that next slide. He said, after communism... We moved church from our secret basements up to the main floor, but then we never got out of the building to be the church among our neighbors. That really stuck with me, this 70-year-old guy telling me this, that that's, that's what we need to do. And so uh, for us, as, um, and you might, you might say, well, that's the reality of the church in America, maybe as well, um, which to some degree it is, but there's a unique need in this part of the world. I want to throw up some of the stats on the population. So those 54 guys on the far left, that's the population, represents the population. There's uh, 5.4 million people in Slovakia. Uh, 38 of those guys would be Roman Catholic, and that means for the most part nominally Roman Catholic. They might not necessarily even believe in God. You ask someone, are you a Christian? Oh, absolutely. Do you believe in God? No. So it's kind of a, an interesting tradition of, of religion. Uh, there was a, recently a, a German newspaper called uh, Der Spiegel said that all of Europe now is a heathen land with Christian residue. That's, that's kind of what they, what they said. And so if you were to look at Jesus followers, you're no longer counting people. You would just count, uh, you can throw up the next slide. It's just these two little feet down there, if you can see that. And as I was drawing this out, Isaiah 52, 7 came to mind, thinking about these feet. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the messenger, bringing good news, breaking the good news that all is well, proclaiming celebration, announcing salvation with the message that God reigns. So that's what we feel called to with Laurel. Uh, We really feel called to serve and equip those feet, that existing church, to see themselves as missionaries, to see themselves as the ones who are going to proclaim that message. So just briefly, what does it look like? What does the church in Slovakia really need? Just a couple things. Uh, the first thing is the need of gospel-centered, spirit-empowered churches. It doesn't need a lot of strategy and vision and how-tos and what to not do. It needs, it needs the spirit to teach them how how Jesus changes everything, and, and, and that they would be able to live out the gospel in their life. Secondly, in, there's a need for reproducible uh, church planning models. What that means is that you can't import something. You need indigenous, indigenous vision, so we're connecting with uh, a few leaders that already have this vision. It needs indigenous leadership. Um, 
we're going to be sent by you guys and then received by a local church. We're partnering with indigenous leaders. Indigenous funding for the most part, because if it was all funded by Soma Tacoma or churches in, in the states, that's not very reproducible. Like we'd have to keep going back to the West to get more money. So that's not the plan. Um, it needs indigenous funding. And with that, because it's a very a little bit needy place, it's going to need a bivocational leadership. Or what I mean by that is pastors that are always all, also working other jobs. And my friend Tomash here is a great example of that. Tomash and I have been working closely for the last few years. And as you can tell, he doesn't look like a pastor uh, because he hops in helicopters and performs emergency surgeries on accident when accidents happen, like on highways. And then in his spare time, he's planning a church and leading church planning uh, for the country. So he's a busy guy, um, but he's become a very dear friend. And it's gonna, we're going to need to see people like Tomash who, who are giving their lives to something even as they're working another job. Um, and then finally... Uh, not finally, I think I have two more. There's a need for gospel networking. And that, what that means is those two feet, they're scattered throughout. They're like, they're, they don't know each other often. Soma's actually been able to really help in this. Um, if you didn't know, this next picture here, these are all of the countries where Soma has been able to equip leaders. And sometimes, you guys all know Todd Moore, Abe's been over there. I've been traveling over there for a while. Sometimes Soma, by the grace of God, has been able to say, hey, did you know that there's a guy just three hours from you that's doing the very same thing? You guys should connect. So this church family's been able to do that. And, uh, and uh, that's one of the reasons why we came here to be equipped because of the investment Soma's had in Eastern Europe. And then finally, the need of equipping everyday people to become everyday missionaries for us, for Laurel and I, this is something that God called us to um, by experience. When I moved back to the States, I met Laurel in her living room. She was serving pancakes to her college uh, peers and just, just opening up her living room, seeing it as a mission field. And God didn't give us like a, you know, a Paul Damascus like bright light call to, to, to Eastern Europe. It was more like as we were doing this in everyday life, I was like, this is what Eastern Europe needs just everyday people normal people getting out of the building like yanko said and living living out um uh, sharing their story of their changed lives so that's what we are uh feeling called to um it's really hard for me to give everything that god's been doing in the last 10 years in in 10 minutes so but i'm gonna wrap up our timeline like abe said um we are wrapping up our time here in january and then in March, after some visit with family, we're going to be flying over. Are you guys laughing at the, the surgery? That's the heart surgery God's been performing on us ever since we got here. What's that? Oh, pancake era. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of little things there. Yeah, pancake era and then uh, the heart surgery. So we'll be flying and then in the next couple years planting in Bratislava. So I would love, like Abe said, to ask you guys to consider partnering with us, whether it's through prayer um, whether it's through, I'd love to see missional communities partnering with missional communities in another part of the world and saying, this is what God's teaching us. And it can go both ways. I mean, it's a pretty awesome opportunity. And then uh, finally, uh, financially, you can throw up the next slide. We, uh, we have personal needs, and then we have kind of a, a baseline where we're starting with ministry needs. Um, there's obviously huge need, but this is where we feel like God, God has uh, landed us. Um, and if you would like to to consider uh, giving. We're going to have, just in a second here, uh, Josiah and uh, Brian are going to pass out these little slips where you can request more information. Abe, you can come back up. Um, I was just going to say one thing about this, though, Uh, just as I've been a part of church leadership here. I'd really encourage you guys to actually not support us 
if you uh, don't feel yet the conviction to uh, be giving to our church family, if you want to talk about that, I'd love to talk about that with you and convince you to do both. Um, just kidding. Uh, if I'd convince just to talk to you about the biblical co- co- conviction that I have about starting with your church family. But at the same time, really want to invite you to consider partnering with us for Eastern Europe.